Greetings and welcome to the Animal Wellness Podcast, the official podcast of Animal Wellness Action. Hi, I'm your host, Joseph Grove. On this show, we talk about animals from the perspective of people who care about them and have the ability to improve their lives by influencing culture and supporting laws and regulations accordingly. To stay up to date with all of our news and information, subscribe to this podcast, receive our free newsletters and more, visit animalwellnessaction.org. Normally, Wayne Paselli and Marty Irby are both with me. However, Wayne is off on an adventure, uh, but it is certainly no consolation prize to have Marty only with me. Marty is the executive director of Animal Wellness Action and its chief lobbyist in D.C., Usually we go straight into a legislative update with Marty, but we want to be super respectful of our guest time today. So we'll move that to the end of the show and uh, uh, kick right off with her. That guest today is Representative Nancy Mace. She's an American politician serving as the U.S. Representative for South Carolina's 1st Congressional District. Uh, she's held the office since 2021. Her district uh, includes much of the state's share of the East Coast from Charleston to Hilton Head Island. And, and I just learned this. That's called the Low Country. I never yeah. knew that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is that is our nickname. And I have I, you, you can't see me, but I have a beautiful picture of the Low Country. Uh, we have a lot of islands, a lot of coastal, a lot of environment uh, and wildlife here as well. Yeah, yeah. So no, it, it's beautiful, and I've never been to South Carolina. And that your your photo and your work certainly makes me want to make it a vacation destination. In 1999, she was the first woman to graduate from the Corps of Cadets program at the Citadel. Uh, from 2018 to 2020, she represented the 99th district in the South Carolina House of Representatives, uh, covering Hanahan. Is that am I saying that right? Yep, Hanahan. All right, well, all right, very good. Uh, Northeast uh, Mount Pleasant and Daniel Island. She is the first Republican woman ever to be elected from uh, to Congress from, from South Carolina. So, and Representative Mace, uh, you know, I've seen you many times post on social media or be seen with Marty on his posts. And, and I got to say, thank you. Most people won't be shown with Marty. You know, they, they, <laughs> they, they, they won't I do doubt it. That. I doubt that. I yeah. highly doubt that. So uh, I don't know what he's paying you, but but thank you. It's we appreciate that. I'll go on anytime he asks, and sometimes I ask to go on. I'm like, hey, this would be a good time to do a video. Let's do one of these again. So uh, he's been a great voice for for animal rights uh, for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, and and obviously your involvement with some of the issues we hope uh, to discuss today indicate mm -hmm. that you are a great friend of animals um, as well. And I suppose my first question to kind of kick kick us off before we talk about your work uh, against the export of birds for cockfighting, your work on uh, the banning of mink farming, the FDA Modernization Act, uh, is I think most people are, are errantly, but nonetheless surprised when, when they hear of, of many people on the conservative side of the aisle be so active on animal welfare issues. Uh, I think that's an unfair ideological uh, perspective but it's a yeah. common one. What do you say to people when they say, gosh, that's why are you so involved with animals? And, you know, I actually, I actually hear that, hear that a lot. And I, uh, again, if you could, could see me, I would, I'm at, I'm at my house today. I would go run upstairs to, to my daughter's room. I gave her a book that my grandmother gave me when I was like four or five. It's this bright pink, uh, album. My grandmother used to cut out images from the newspaper from Hampton, South Carolina, a very small town in rural South Carolina. And it was one of the first gifts I, had as a as a kid is one of my only members I have of my grandmother, um, and it's this entire album of all this wildlife that uh, 
mostly color and black and white photos from the newspapers. I gave it to my daughter and I, we still have it today. It's like 40 years old, <laughs> but um, I've had a love of, of animals like my entire life. And I grew up with seven pets in our house, three cats, three dogs, and a parrot named Julio who talked to us. And uh, I spent a lot of time outdoors with my dad. My dad uh, was a hunter growing up as well and uh, would take me out outdoors all the time. We go camping, we go fishing. Um, and we're just part of that sort of conservation lifestyle uh, where he would go out and plant fields and, and grow food. And then we would eat the food and, you know, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I kind of grew up in uh, the outdoors in that kind of environment. And I've, you know, as a, as a state lawmaker before I came to Congress, um, but uh, I was a state lawmaker for three years. And then in Congress, I've been able to, to do so much more with animal rights at the, at the federal level. Um, and Marty certainly uh, has, has helped in that regard and uh, communicating with our office on the opportunities that are there. But I've been trying to find ways, and this is before I even got elected, but uh, and working across the aisle. And uh, although I am Republican, it was Reagan, who's one of my idols and I think one of the greatest presidents we've ever had, uh, always encouraged Republicans and conservatives to reach across out and find ways where we could work together. And I found that that is true with Poppy's pot and Britney Spears, pretty much. <laughs> so, um, you know, whether you are far right or far left, you pretty much, uh, you do love, you do love your dog that you love your cat. You go to the SPCA, you adopt animals. You don't, uh, like some of the conditions that we have in, in farming, certain farming environments. And it's certainly, you know, when you talk about mass farming and how animals are treated and sometimes never allowed to leave their cages before they're slaughtered and that sort of thing. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's something that so many people care about. And I have found places where I can reach across the aisle and, and get things done. And we'll talk about that, hopefully, uh, you know, some of the things that we have been able to accomplish this uh, legislative cycle, this session. But um, it's been a, one of those few places where in this country today, where it's so, so divisive, that um, there are very few places where we've been able to join hands and work together. And, and animals, for me, at least anyway, has been one of those areas where I've had uh, great success. Well, well, perfect. And I think one of the significant legislative accomplishments uh, we feel good about being a supporter of and which you were involved in, and that is the inclusion of the ban against mink farming as part of the American uh, Competes Act as it passed the House and is now yeah. in front of a, a, a you know, reconciliation committee. Talk about your involvement with the ban on mink farming. Yeah, well, you know, mink with COVID-19, uh, mink farming, mink farming alone has created three different, three separate variants of COVID-19, the conditions for the mink, it's a perfect habitat for mutation and transmission and the creation of uh, various variants of COVID-19. And, uh, you know, these animals are kept in small cages, usually unsanitary, they're overcrowded uh, on top of it. And so, um, you know, it was a real honor to work with uh, Congresswoman Deloro on this because this is the first time that any type of, I guess, legislation or amended legislation passed out of the floor of the House that banned any kind of animal farming whatsoever. And that was attached to the Competes Act. And so it was historic in that regard and getting that uh, through both not only committee, but getting it to the floor for a vote and then actually having it pass out of the House. And then to be able to be a part of that in my first term in Congress was a really big deal for me um, because I didn't think that that kind of thing would be able to happen uh, and certainly uh, so quickly. And so, um, you know, it's something that we worked on together and, um, you know, it's important when you're talking about health and you're talking about science and COVID-19. Um, 
you know, it's an important issue in keeping uh, our citizens safe and and protected. So it's sort of twofold uh, with the how animals are treated. And then with the COVID-19 part of it, it's really, truly a win-win. Marty. Well, Joe, you know, I'm so elated to have Nancy here today. I have to tell you, I met her just a few days, I believe, after she was elected uh, Mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C. at an event uh, with my good friend from Alabama, Coach Tuberville, now a U.S. senator who was also elected then as well. And we have just gotten along terrifically. She has been, in my book, the number one Republican in Congress in the 117th Congress on animal protection issues. There's no one that's better. Um, She has just stepped up in so many different ways for the voiceless we all care so deeply about. And what you mentioned earlier about, you know, it being a conservative cause or not, I think is something that we see often where values aren't necessarily aligned with the parties in -hmm. general. And to give another example of this, uh, Mr. Paselli is not here today because he's off with Senator Rand Paul who's also one of the leaders of the FDA Modernization Act in Texas uh, this weekend. And we have a great, great team of people along with Congressman Vern Buchanan and then Democrats uh, from both the House and the Senate that are leading that legislation as well. That particular bill gets at cutting red tape, uh, taking the 1938 statute that requires the FDA to have animal testing done for any drug that's approved and make that an option while still allowing that to exist, making an option where FDA can use the best science. So there's so many examples where, as Nancy said, people can reach across the aisle and work together. I know in the seven bills that we have gotten signed into law in the past four years, we have had Democrats and Republicans leading uh, in both chambers. And it's very, very important in Congress today, I think, to have that in order to get anything done because we have seen so much polarization and divisiveness, and we need more people like Nancy Mason Congress reaching across the aisle and working for these animals we all care so much about. And I and I agree. And I also now I have the time to thank Marty too for um, certainly his leadership, but also his friendship uh, to be able to work with our office on so many different issues. And um, it's been a really big deal for me, and it's meaningful work, um, and it's good work. Like the, like you said, the FDA Modernization Act uh, should be a very easy bipartisan win, taking very archaic legal requirements um, and uh, putting, you know, the best methods for testing rather than uh, animal or non-animal methods, right? And that's where our focus really should be and should be um, a really good, I would think, you know, bipartisan piece of legislation that has huge meaning uh, in the animal rights world and when treating animals uh, with better dignity uh, and efficacy as well when it comes to testing. So I'm really you know, honored to be able to work with him and I appreciate his leadership on so many issues. And he'll tell me these stories. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, and then all of a sudden we're doing, you know, doing another piece of legislation. And so um, just really appreciate the opportunity to, to work with animal wellness and, and be a part of the, the movement as well. Yeah, I, I never get invited to dinner anywhere anymore because, you know, they'll ask me what, what I do or what I'm involved in. And, and, and you start telling these stories and pretty soon they, they don't they don't want you there. Let me ask you to polish off the crystal ball. Uh, what do you foresee relative to Mink and, and the, the Reconciliation Committee, this getting into the Senate, uh, the joint version of it and passing relative to Minks? Uh, well, it's hard to say at this point, uh, you know, 
unfortunately, sometimes when we when we take bills from the House, they go over to the Senate. Oftentimes, a lot of our amendments get stripped out. So it's hard to say if uh, that amendment will stay in. And Marty will probably know more about where it is in the process technically uh, in the Senate and what may or may not happen since he's been working with senators um, over in that chamber throughout the process. I know because um, just because you get out of the House, you know, you've got a whole nother chamber to get through. Um, and the Senate body is certainly more deliberative, but he probably has a better update on where we are in the odds of it sticking, staying with the Compete Act. Yeah, I, I actually feel really good about it. You know, there is a saying, at least when I worked in the House, that all good bills die in the Senate, but we hope that's <laughs> not the case with this one. And it is in a conference committee. I did speak with Speaker Pelosi about it directly the night that it passed. Um, she is supportive of the issue as well. And of course, that is very, very important when you're looking at this. And then our other fellow Republicans out there who may be a little bit more skeptical about the issue have definitely taken a look at it because there is a fact that resonates with a lot of them. And that's that there are only 60 mink farms left in the United States. And most all of the pelts they are producing are going to be sold to the wealthy elite upper class as luxury garments in the People's Republic of China. So we're putting our country at a tremendous health risk simply to put luxury garments on the Chinese. Look, China's already caused our country enough pain, the whole world enough pain. That's not something we need to allow. And that's really resonating too. So I think we're going to get there. It is the first time we've ever seen any factory farming issue have a vote in the House or the Senate in American history, much less actually pass. And so we were elated because we actually only had one member of Congress that came and spoke out against it. And then it passed uh, by an overwhelming majority with a ton of Republicans on board as well and most of the Democrats. So we're feeling really good about it. I think the Mink Bill, the FDA Modernization Act and the Big Cat Public Safety Act are the three bills that we feel can get done this year, have the best shot and stand the best chance of getting signed into law. And Nancy's a leader of two of them. And she's also been a tireless advocate on the Big Cat Public Safety Act as well, and has talked to a ton of folks about that. And we appreciate her support of that. And I think nearly every other animal bill that's out there. Yeah. And the other thing I will say too, is that, uh, you know, Marty and I have had these conversations too. And uh, sometimes uh, elected officials are, uh, I guess, weary or uh, leaning into issues that either might be in their district or in their state or nearby. And the big cat, uh, the big cat bill, obviously I don't represent Myrtle Beach or that area. Um, but, um, you know, being that, that that we were having that issue in South Carolina, just north of where I am, um, it's important still, it's even more important for elected officials to point these issues out, especially when they are in your backyard. And another example of that, I, I actually brought Marty down to Beaufort, South Carolina a couple of months ago to introduce him to Monkey Island, uh, which we were told growing up here in the low country that this was a sort of a guarded island. It was kind of a mystery that there were these uh, rhesus monkeys on there uh, and that they were, it was a sanctuary for monkeys that had been tested in scientific labs and that that was their retirement home and their retirement community. And as recently as two or three years ago, the former mayor of Beaufort even wrote an extensive op-ed on how these monkeys were not uh, treated in labs, et cetera. Fast forward to 20, end of 2021, we put a, I put a FOIA out there to find out, only find out that, hey, um, that's not what was happening. That of the 3,500 free-ranging rhesus monkeys on Monkey Island off the coast of Beaufort, 600 are captured and removed every year. 
uh, for gruesome scientific experiments where the monkeys are killed uh, in the process run by NIAID. And so uh, we went down there um, at the end of the year and, and, and toured and uh, tried to get a glimpse of them um, down there, but uh, the community was misled. And this is literally in my backyard. It's in my district. And when I found out, I was shocked and horrified. And I was like, we got to tell the community this is going on. We got to get it defunded. We got to stop this and, um, you know, put an end to it, especially because it's in my backyard. Let's uh, shift to your work with Representative Mike Quigley from Chicago on the letter to the U.S. Postal Service, you wrote, the, the inspector of the post office regarding the export of birds through our, our mail service. How did you get involved with that? And where does that issue stand today? Uh, that is uh, another opportunity that my staff brought to us. Uh, you know, the the role of the, I know everyone loves to hate the Postal Service. Uh, and this will be another uh, reason for it. But we, uh, I, I learned through my staff um, and through my Quigley that the USPS, there's some role with them uh, at transporting animals, specifically birds for illegal cockfighting purposes. And so uh, this letter was signed by 36 members of the U.S. House, including 24 Democrats and 12 Republicans. So it was very much uh, done in a bipartisan spirit. Um, and since 2002, the U.S. government has prohibited any interstate or foreign transport of animals for fighting purposes, and yet it's still going on. And so um, this was a good first step into at least alerting the Postal Service that we are keeping watch that we are paying attention and that we, this needs to be, this particular issue needs to be treated as a very high priority for our postal, postal service. Mm-hmm. What, what's so, been the reaction? You know, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead, uh, Marty. No, I was just going to add, you know, one of the things that brought this to light was Wayne actually went to Guam three or four years ago after we enacted a new law that um, had sort of a year delay on taking effect and went undercover himself to a cockfight and actually got all of the postal records from the postmaster in Guam, we, through investigations of documents, Google Earth, traced back those addresses to where these people lived in South Carolina, in Alabama, in North Carolina, mostly the Southeast, but also Oklahoma, New Mexico, Utah, and California as well. And we found all of these shipments of Gamecocks to the country of Guam, where there's no boiler production, there's no egg production, and if you were shipping birds for that purpose, they would be hens. They would not be roosters. So we did our due diligence. And this letter that Nancy sent is tremendously important because I think it really makes the USPS pay attention. And there were a lot of people there that knew they were shipping birds, but maybe didn't know why they were shipping them and what was going on. And this goes back to health risk. I just saw USDA release. There is avian influenza that's been found in Indiana. I also believe Michigan today. I got an email about it. And then near the border of Canada. And these cockfighting shipments are also a prime recipe for disaster for these birds to transmit not only avian influenza, but Newcastle disease. And then that is another angle where we're talking about health and human safety because the cockfighters that are fighting these birds, believe it or not, and I'm being a little bit graphic here, when they're in the middle of a fight, If a bird gets its lung punctured and that starts filling up with blood, they pull the bird, they stop the fight, pull the bird out of the fight, actually in a mouth-to-mouth resuscitation-like form, they suck the blood out of the bird. Now, if you have avian influenza or Newcastle disease or whatever the next new emerging zoonotic disease is, that's just a recipe for something to jump the barrier to the human species. So when we talk about this in the aspects of animal welfare 
and health and human safety, it really falls into what our motto is in Animal Wellness Action, and that's helping animals helps us all. Absolutely. Fascinating. Had no idea that was a thing, Marty. So you've taught me something new and unfortunate in this show. So thank you for that. I want to turn now to um, Representative Mace to to a topic that I think is maybe a little bit difficult for most folks to understand, at least it was for me originally, and that is checkoffs. Marty, maybe you could just say a couple of words about that and then Representative Mace, tell us how you're involved um, in making that issue better for animals. Marty? Yeah, no, Nancy is leading along with Congresswoman Dina Titus, the Opportunities for Fairness in Farming Act that will create a system of checks and balances and transparency at the USDA's commodity checkoff programs that have been proven time and time again to have corruption and all sort of illegal activity going on through document and FOIA investigations and things like that. So cleaning up these quasi-governmental agencies that are actually putting farmers out of business with their own money is very important. I know that fits right into what Nancy is working on across the board on mm-hmm. the federal government um, when we are dealing with all of this sort of bureaucracy and red tape that we have. Yeah, yeah say Go ahead. I'm sorry, Nancy. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Now, I was going to say bureaucracy, red tape, uh, fraud and abuse. And this is an issue that we've heard from a lot of farmers on. And again, uh, those farmers that I got introduced to that educated me on this issue were introduced to me by by Marty as well. And so um, and Wayne. And so, uh, you know, being able to be educated on these issues on I had no idea before I came to Congress that this was a thing and this was happening and the kind of impact it would have on the farming communities. And um, again, working with animal wellness and being a part of it and getting on board and of course educating my staff on it and why it's so important that we get involved like this and this at this in this level at this level um, was a really big deal for us as well. All right. Very good. Um, I promised your scheduler that I would liberate you at the top of the hour. We're approaching that point. Uh, what else would you have the listeners of this podcast know about your work um, and what they can do to support it, even if they don't live in your district? Yeah. One of the things that we have not talked about yet is uh, some of the puppy testing that uh, I was able to help expose uh late last year. Um, We did a FOIA request and did a letter to Dr. Fauci over some beagle puppy testing. And, um, you know, we we learned that there were millions of dollars that were spent uh, to on about, I guess, 42 beagle puppies to cut out their vocal cords, to drug them, kill them, and then dissect them. You know, uh, we also learned through that process that they were also doing experiments or spending taxpayer dollars on experiments on on beagle puppies. Again, you know, that uh, they had insects that ate them from the, the, the neck up and killed them. And so when you hear about these kinds of stories, you hear about the millions of dollars that are spent on this kind of horrific and barbaric testing, um, it's really important that we support members of Congress on both sides of the aisle that are uh, educating the public and the media on what's happening. Uh, and uh, I led a letter that was bipartisan with both Republicans and Democrats together. Um, and sometimes, you know, because it's so divisive, you know, if you're a Republican, you get the far left attacking you, even though it's puppies. And then if you're a Democrat, you have the far the far left attacking you, uh, even though it's puppies. Like, seriously, uh, we're just so divisive. But when we have these opportunities to work together and really shed a light on um, what's going on uh, with our tax dollars, um, even more broadly, it's just barely it's, uh, it's disgusting and it's barbaric and it's gruesome. And it's horrific and it's not something any of us would ever want to see a dime that we pay to the federal government be spent on. That's one of the reasons, big reasons that I support animal wellness 
uh, and uh, want to continue the work that I've started with, with folks on both sides of the aisle. I don't care if you have an R or a D by your name, this work is important. And where we can work together, I think one of the ways out of the divisions that we have in this country politically, because you literally cannot talk politics or the government at the kitchen table anymore, or at, or at your work or, or at Christmas dinner or whatever, um, that we really think about how we communicate with each other and be supportive um, and continue this work. I think this is really one of the few ways out of the mess that we're in right now and um, where we can work together to support each other to be able to do that. And I just really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk with y'all today and bring to light some of the work that we are doing and will continue to do. And uh, just appreciate Marty and Wayne's leadership and animal wellness and, and bringing a lot of these issues to our attention as well. All right. Very good. Representative Mesa from South Carolina. Thank you so much for, for being on the show. Really do appreciate your appearance today and certainly all the work you're doing thank on behalf you. of animals in collaboration with our organization. All right, Marty, uh, gosh, thanks for arranging Representative Mesa to be on the show. Uh, great, great interview and, and just a terrific person. I want to get to our legislative update. So good, sir. Why don't you give us the lowdown on what's happening on the Hill? Yes, sir. Well, much of it we have already talked about with Nancy, of course, as you now know, the Meeks and Narrowly Kept Spaces are Super Spreaders Act in the form of an amendment to the Competes Act passed the House of Representatives a few weeks ago. That idea was conceived by Mr. Wayne Baselli. Nancy was the lead Republican along with the Appropriations Chair, Democrat Rosa DeLauro, and they did a tremendous job leading that bill to passage. Um, we only had one person that spoke out against it, and we're now working in the conference committee, as we talked about earlier. The FDA Modernization Act is really moving along with about 25 Republican and 25 Democrat co-sponsors in the House now at 50. We have Senator Paul, Senator Braun, Senator Kennedy, Senator Lujan, Senator Booker, Senator Collins, and now uh, most recently, Senator Marco Rubio that's joined on the Senate side. So we need to get some more Democrats over there on the Senate side on that legislation. And then we have the Bear Protection Act, which is one that passed the Senate twice two decades ago when Mitch McConnell was the leader of the bill. It deals with bear poaching and bans the trade of bear uh, gallbladders because their bile is used in traditional Chinese medicine and has been uh, promoted as recently as 2020 by the Chinese government as a treatment for COVID-19 with no scientific basis for that messaging. So um, we're trying to stop that. We think we could get that one done. Um, it never passed the House years ago. The dynamics are different there today than they were at that time. Um, it stands a good shot. It's not one, it's more of an inside play. It's say not one that we really are going to have like a ton of co-sponsors or anything. And then we have the Big Cat Public Safety Act, as we talked about now with 255 co-sponsors in the House. Most recently, um, we got uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, a Democrat from Texas, on along with uh, Congressman, um, uh, Congressman Stephen Palazzo, a Republican from Mississippi, and uh, also have 45 co-sponsors in the Senate. Uh, we're dealing with some, quite honestly, very, very intricate, um, intricate rather, um, decision-making involving the strategy on that bill. There are a couple of different options we're looking at. It could pass as a standalone in the House of Representatives on suspension, as they call it, the suspension calendar, and try to be sent by unanimous consent through a process they call a hotline process in the U.S. Senate, or we might attach it to something else. So um, that one's a little bit trickier. 
but it has the most support of any bill out there with more co-sponsors than any other legislation. Um, the other bills, you know, we've been talking about working on, quite honestly, I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys I think they're going to pass. I think most of the others that we've discussed at this stage might stand a chance at passing one chamber in this Congress, uh, but probably not get signed into law. So we're putting our focus on those four main pieces of legislation on the federal level. And then we're also focusing on appropriations, the funding for all of the various aspects of enforcement of the Animal Welfare Act, Horse Protection Act, the cockfighting laws at both USDA and the Department of Justice. As we do every year, it's approach season. It's that time of year for uh, 2023's funding. So we're spending a lot of time on that. And I think we're going to get a lot of wins this year. I think they're going to kind of trickle out. Uh, of course, most of it will happen in the final quarter of the year. We're going to see the election uh, really start to ramp up. That's going to be uh, a key factor that can work for us or work against us, depending on the climate that we're dealing with. Um, so we are just going to keep pressing along and appreciate having Congresswoman Mace on. She's been terrific. All the other leaders of the bills that we have will keep you updated. And I did want to add one more thing just as a more broad, it's not a legislative update, but since we've talked about horse racing in the past and we had one of the busiest weeks that we've had in the media, we had everyone from USA Today to People Magazine, um, ABC News contact us about Bob Baffert's uh, removal as the uh, trainer of the 2021 Kentucky Derby because the title was taken away from the now late Medina Spirit who died, unfortunately, last year after he won the Derby. There was a positive drug test. So horse racing is really big in the media right now. Keep your ears on, folks. Keep your eyes out. We're going to be doing a lot on that issue. It's February now. We're going to be doing a lot between now and the end of June. And you're going to see a lot, even though we've already enacted federal legislation, there's much more to come. Sure. And, and living in Louisville, Kentucky, I can tell you uh, we are just uh, a week or two away before Derby fever begins to build until the inevitable May climax of it. So it certainly will be an issue in my hometown, as I know it is increasingly across the country. Uh, Marty, thank you so much. for That was a terrific update. Appreciate it. Appreciate all your hard work. Uh, and I want to say thank you to and appreciate our audience. Thank you for listening to the Animal Wellness Podcast. Be sure to visit animalwellnessaction.org for all of our news and information and to sign up for our news alerts. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. And we invite you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or Spotify. I'm your host, Joseph Grove, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the Animal Wellness Podcast. <laughs>